What is up, Lint Lucid Podcast fans? We are happy to have you back for season eight of the show. This season is brought to you by Vera Health, an amazing cannabis company located right here in Denver, Colorado. Visit our website, litlucid.com, to learn more about our sponsors and to view our previous episodes. And if you're enjoying the show, be sure to share with a friend and give us a review on your favorite platform. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Lucy and Jared. Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here recording our last episode of the season, episode 89. And today we have a special guest on our show. He is a return guest from season one, episode 10. You might have remembered him or already know all about him. His name is Ricardo Baca, the founder of Grasslands Agency. What's up, Ricardo? Uh, Lucy, it's great to be back with you guys. And congratulations on the end of another great season. Yes, thank you so much. We we appreciate that. Yeah, we've came a long <laughs> way, 79 episodes in between. Um, but we've definitely been keeping tabs on what you're doing. And, and hopefully we don't have a lot to catch up on, but we have a lot of uh, interesting and kind of timely topics to talk about with you today. Well, the times being what they are, <laughs> lots of interesting things to connect on these days and not a lot of things on our calendars. So yeah, <laughs> let's dive in. <laughs> All right. Well, just so for some background for some of our listeners, uh, Ricardo is a 20-year veteran journalist and thought leader in modern media and drug policy circles. He served as the Denver Post's first cannabis editor, founding The Cannabis, where he covered adult use cannabis around the world. In 2016, he launched Grasslands Agencies, where he works with business leaders in highly regulated industries, including cannabis, energy, and healthcare. You can find him keynoting various cannabis and other types of events around the world. He has some TED Talks that he did recently here in Boulder, as well as a Netflix documentary, Rolling Papers. So if you're at home, you know, social distancing, Google Rolling Papers and check that out on Netflix. It was a really good uh, documentary about cannabis here in Denver. Um, But today we're going to discuss the new normal. I mean, everybody is obviously clearly affected by COVID-19, the coronavirus. We're all social distancing, you know, working from home, staying at home. And it's really coming at an unfortunate time when, you know, technically we could be celebrating 420 all month. Um, So that's really going to put a damper on a lot of these cannabis industry events. Uh, So we wanted to talk to a kind of a seasoned veteran to see what his insight would be on, you know, what does this new normal look like and where are we going from here? Oh, right. It is, it, it is such a monolithic shift in how we operate. And of course, this does not affect our, our industry alone. It affects literally every industry throughout the world, especially with global supply chains behaving the way they, they do and being impacted the way they are. You know, it, it, it is so sad that here we are in 420 actual, as you said, April 20, uh, tw- April 2020. And, uh, you know, there there are going to be so many fewer uh, events around the world um, than there were even last year. And, you know, of course, it's the right thing to do. I'm the first to say that we need to social distance. We cannot behave the way we used to. And we need to flatten this curve. Um, As John Oliver kind of pointed out, that doesn't mean that we can't be angry and we can't be frustrated in losing out and missing out on some of these social experiences we were 
really looking forward to, whether it was that great early season Red Rock show or a big 420 party. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Lucy and I, it finally hit us the other day that uh, you know, a lot of the 420 events were going to be canceled or changed. And I was telling her it's going to be another 100 years before we have this opportunity <laughs> again, which you and I probably will not be able to take part in. And it's kind of like a silly antidote, but it really kind of helped to put into perspective the magnitude of the problem we're facing. And it's not just a local problem. It's a, it's a global problem. And so, you know, there's a little bit of relief knowing that everybody, we're all in this together. But you're totally right. Yeah, it's frustrating. It makes us mad. You know, we're getting stir crazy. We're like, what do we do next? If you have a business, it's even scarier. If your business was even based around events, there's a lot of people who are scrambling out there trying to figure out what do I do now? How do I still capture those, you know, the, the attention of everybody and, and help to spread the word? And it's a really trying time. I know it is. And you know, you mentioned, uh, you, I know you both are small business owners as am I and, and thanks for the shout out to grasslands. I mean, people can learn more about our agency at, at mygrasslands.com. But you know, one of the things that we are starting to see, because of course we run a thought leadership program that helps our clients, um, secure speaking engagements at events, or we nominate them for relevant awards or whatever that might look like. And without events, on the calendar for the foreseeable future, uh, we certainly have found ourselves getting more creative. And so, you know, in the last week alone, we have pivoted to introduce new service offerings at Grasslands. You know, we are already uh, developing one Instagram live strategy for a client because, you know, I mean, of course, anybody can go on Instagram and, and press that live function and and suddenly be broadcasting to all of your followers. But it's always good to do that and any other communications or marketing initiative with a strategy. And so we are bringing that to clients, uh, informing their strategy for this uh, in the same way that we would have informed their, their work going to MJ BizCon next in New Orleans, which has since been postponed from early June now to August or who knows when. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, it's evolving times and certainly we as professionals and we as the industry, we just have to pivot and evolve with these times. Yeah. Uh, we were talking to a local organizer yesterday and he brought up a good point that, you know, just like you said, like anybody can just jump on Instagram live and, you know, start streaming, but you have to have some sort of purpose behind that. And you have to also be like thoughtful about it. Like, what does your background look like? Like, how are you dressed? How are you presenting yourself in the Instagram live? You know, a lot of people, maybe they aren't used to, you know, being on live camera like that. So like there's, those are all things that you have to think about and, you know, having an agency to assist you through that process is really essential. I know, you know, it's so true. I mean, even uh, outside of Instagram, you know, uh, I think the number of cannabis webinars has literally um, quintupled yeah. in the last <laughs> week alone. And for good reason, because my God, we need that community. We need that education. Uh, in absence of these expos and conferences that have been canceled, and in absence of being able to even go out and have lunch with a colleague, you know, we need the opportunities more than ever and so I even found myself on a webinar earlier this week 
uh, we've attended a number of them, you know, from uh, BDS to Canagather to New Frontier to um, Entrepreneur Magazine. Uh, but I was actually on a, a panel earlier this week uh, from the Cannabis Marketing Association. We were talking about crisis communications during COVID-19. Um, I was on there with some really smart minds from like Coda Signature and Spherix and, of course, Lisa Buffo from the CMA. Um, and uh, it got me thinking uh Literally, the minute I got off, I, I, I called a colleague and I said, hey, we have a new service oper- offering because in addition to that Instagram live strategy we're developing, we are now creating full service strategies pr- to produce these webinars. Because when you think about it, I mean, uh, we are all content professionals in this room, right? I mean, this is what we do. I was a journalist for 25 plus years. I know how to interview people. I know how to moderate a conversation. I know how to create compelling content that can be repurposed and so yeah here it is, here it is again another pivot where um, we are doing this to not only fill the need because our clients need this our brand partners need the help in putting on these webinars and these Instagram in Instagram live strategies but uh, we also need to do it because our own businesses are suffering because oftentimes marketing is one of those first expenses to be cut in in case of uh, you know, an economic downturn, and here we are at the beginning of the next recession, and and uh, we want to survive this recession, and so that's what we're doing. Absolutely, yeah, and I think it's extremely important to to keep pushing forward. Um, we're in the same boat you are, obviously, and so we've been uh, kind of digging into a lot of it over the past couple of weeks of trying to figure out, you know, where's the pivot at. Um, how do we, you know, correct some of these things that went wrong? Um, one of our clients is also a web-based uh, or an events-based uh, client, and we've had a pivot 100% with the webinars as well. And and we have a, a couple other clients who are product service companies. And what we've really tried to reinstate with them is that you still have to be communicating with your clients at this time. That if you just, you know, stop communicating or shut down your marketing channels, uh, your customers are probably going to think that something went wrong. Um, while all these other companies and possibly your competitors are still communicating with their clients. And so we've definitely been encouraging people to not, you know, if you have to to, to cut your marketing budget, um, at least have some strategy surrounding that and make sure to increase your communication during this time, especially uh, crisis communication and, and kind of how your company's pivoting and how your company's handling uh, this new crisis that's upon us. So. Right. And that's a really good point, Jared. You know, uh, inevitably, it, it, it's an adage, it's a cliche that marketing is one of the first things to be cut. Uh, but you know what? In this era and in this bizarre experience of, you know, stay in, in stay at home orders, um, you know, I think that conversation needs to change because what we do as content creators and content marketers and publicists is is really more important now uh, than it's ever been because of that increased screen time that we're seeing. I don't know about you guys, but every Sunday I just have a good chuckle at myself when I get the reminder from my iPhone about how much time I spent on my iPhone and social <laughs> media apps that week. And it's like, oh, God, especially now. And geez, I mean, those are iPhones out there looking for entertainment and looking for education and mm-hmm. information and keeping your marketing budget, protecting that marketing budget is really more important than it's ever been. I mean, at the very least, if you need to make a cut in that, make sure you're still doing social. Make sure uh, if you can't do one blog a week, make sure at least you're doing one every other week or at least once per month. I mean, you cannot miss 
out on this opportunity, um, regardless of what's happening within your own operations, even that, if, even if that means doing it yourself. Right. I totally agree. Yeah, one antidote that I think is, is really great to, to put this all in perspective, and if you look at the stock markets right now, uh, they're really in a lot of trouble, but they are rebounding. Um, however, though, if you look at the stocks that are doing great, all the media stocks are doing wonderful, and that's probably one of the only sectors of verticals that's really kind of done well and actually increased their market share over this time has been the media and uh, journalism and all that. And it basically lends back to that right now people want information. People want to know what's going on. They want the latest. They want to be updated. And I guarantee you, just like you are, Ricardo, and just like Lucy and I, we're on our phones all the time, even now trying to stay up to date with what's everybody doing, what's the latest. They're going to be doing that, and they're going to be on their phone. And so it's almost a ripe opportunity to be placing stuff in front of these people because they're going to be on their devices more. They're going to be at their computers more because they're at home. Um, They're going to be looking for things to do, like you said, Ricardo. Um, so that could be a great move for companies to come in, pivot, get creative with uh, some of the events they're setting up and seeing how this is starting to um, change the way we consume uh, information and content. I think it's a great it's a great place for companies to settle in and figure out what does the future look like for content creation and content distribution. And it could mm-hmm. be all digitally. Well, and, and, and all the more reason to continue to do this uh, kind of marketing in this crisis if you're a cannabis brand because a lot of these stores are open. I mean, and, and how exciting is that that uh, we've reached this tipping point where suddenly some of these cannabis dispensaries from Massachusetts to Pennsylvania to Colorado to California are now considered essential businesses. So when everybody else is being shuttered, the hospitals and pharmacies and gas stations and grocery stores and dispensaries are still open. What do you guys think about that? Isn't this fantastic? It, it's great. Yeah. I saw a funny meme and it was like, you know, if you get stopped by a cop, just let them know that you're driving to the dispensary. And it's, <laughs> it was so silly, but it's like, can you, we're in a time right now where cannabis is deemed as an essential business. And, you know, um, Mayor Hancock did shut those down. He shut down dispensaries as well as liquor stores and people flooded the market. It's like there was lines out the door and around the corner and within two hours, um, you know, they kind of got that back up and running. So I think even just here locally in Denver, people stood up for essential businesses and dispensaries. You know, a lot of people are utilizing them for medicinal purposes, whether you're on the rec or the med side. Um, And I know that you had an integral part in, you know, that conversation as well. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'm just doing my part, you know, because, of course, we on this conversation recognize that trying to draw a line between the patient shopping at the medical dispensary and the consumer shopping at the adult use dispensary is a fruitless effort because, you know, there's multiple uh, studies and research published in legitimate medical journals showing us that a majority of the populace shopping at any adult use dispensary is shopping for medical purposes. I know we were talking beforehand. I mean, I am one of them. I'm a former registered medical patient, and uh, I haven't had my medical card for about four years. I don't know about you guys, but I still get my medicine at the recreational shop. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. We are right there with you. And we were kind of concerned when we saw that because we were concerned about our access to that during, you know, whatever moratorium they put on it, whether that be 30 days or, or longer. And so it definitely scared us. And so... 
I think it, it, it's really going to it's really going to change some tides across the U.S. and make people have to think harder about marijuana and marijuana legalization moving forward because it is an essential business. Um, one thing that I keep clinging to that I'm trying to to kind of rally people around to, to help kind of move this initiative along is that uh, one of the things that did in a way help recreational marijuana businesses stay afloat is that uh, the rationale to keep liquor stores afloat was that there would be a, an additional public health and safety crisis on our hands of uh, folks who had a dependency to alcohol who would be going through withdrawals and there was the potential to overload our health systems with just that. And so they kind of helped to reverse some of that the language and to have uh, liquor stores be deemed essential. And I think that conversation did not even get brought up on the marijuana side. The conversation surrounding marijuana was that it's a health and wellness tool uh, for medicinal purposes. And two, uh, there's not a lot of federal protections for these businesses and employees. And the best thing that the governments could do is to keep those running to generate um, some income for these business owners and employees. And so it was really a nice moment to allow cannabis kind of have the spotlight and kind of show the, the tell of the two worlds between alcohol and cannabis and show, you know, alcohol is, anybody has access to alcohol for the most part um, in the U.S. and globally. And right now, clearly, it's no question uh, cannabis is having a hard time getting legalized and, and folks having access to it. And I think just the fact that you have health experts coming out saying uh, there's some dependency issues with alcohol and not mentioning those same dependency issues on marijuana, I think it really lends credit to to marijuana's place in the world and why it should be legalized. And I think that's an important part of this conversation, Jared, because, uh, you know, I, I, I am an advocate uh, on behalf of progressive drug policy reform, including further legalization and access to cannabis. Um, but at the same time, I'm a realist and I'm a journalist and I'm a thinker, a critical thinker. You know, I'll, 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 marijuana is not without its risks. And some people do gr uh, grow to become addicted and dependent on it. Uh, and so at the same time, it's a very different kind of addiction than that which people develop to alcohol, opioids, uh, nicotine. You know, it's not it's not a physical addiction. And so I think that is important. But most importantly about this entire conversation, you know, cannabis dispensaries are essential businesses. I think this is this is a historic time that we're living through and not just because uh, coronavirus is just you know, completely turning our worlds inside out. It's, I mean, if you're, if you're passionate about drug policy reform, this is huge that we have all of these governments from states and municipalities and health departments coming out and saying these are essential businesses. I think this is one of the biggest moments in legalization history. You know, I mean, it kind of ties into so many elements, but to see this happening, this is legitimately historic and I think when historians are looking back on the drug uh, the, you know the cannabis movement this will very much be one of those milestones where they say oh yeah you know and then in March of 2020 uh, sure enough Pennsylvania's health department came out and dedicated those dispensaries as essential and then San Francisco and Denver had their kerfluffle where they almost shut down recreational shops and then changed their minds for the better and then the state of California and the state of Illinois. I mean, you guys might have seen this headline the other day. It was in the Tribune or the Sun-Times in Chicago, and it basically said, 
cannabis just went from being illegal to essential in less than three months in Illinois. And I mean, do you think about that kind of progress? This is historic. It's so exciting. Yeah, yeah we, we totally agree. And that's one of the silver linings out of all of this is, is some of the headway we're making there. So um, there's definitely there's definitely downfalls and there's definitely upsides to everything. And I think for a lot of us, uh, when, when I know Lucy and I were sitting here in our office and we saw that uh, they rescinded the, their prohibitionary um, kind of act on recreational marijuana, we both had a collective sigh of relief, yeah. I think, of like, oh, my goodness, like our livelihoods will not be affected as much um, as prior. And uh, I think moving forward, too, I think for cannabis legalization, that's a huge moment for everybody. So we totally agree with that, Ricardo. I know you guys do. And I I know we were talking about it beforehand, but just so your listeners know to look it up, um, I did write uh, an op-ed last week for our alt-weekly newspaper here in Denver, uh, which was ultimately just an open letter to the mayor. Uh, Michael Hancock, who Jared mentioned earlier, uh, or Lucy did, and he was the one who attempted to shut down these recreational shops. And he was also the one who reversed his order three hours later. And thank goodness he did. And my op-ed was ultimately just pleading with him to understand reason and to understand that that was not going to accomplish what he was hoping to accomplish and encourage him to keep these shops open. So, you know, it's still early. Uh, We know what's happening with our with our uh, collaborators, our fellow advocates in Massachusetts, where um, Governor Baker has shut down recreational dispensaries, which is unfortunate and misguided. And he has doubled down on that today, saying he's not going to reverse the decision. Um, So this is so far from over, uh, but we've made progress and hopefully we can continue to make progress so that, you know, uh, the people in New York State and Pennsylvania can hopefully influence their neighbors in Massachusetts to uh, be on the right side of history on this issue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we appreciate all the work that you're doing here locally in Denver um, on that topic. Let's go ahead and just wrap up with just offering some advice to, you know, all these entrepreneurs and these small businesses out here, you know, facing the same situations that we all are. What kind of advice do you have for them at this time? Well, you know, it's, it's what's interesting about where we're at in this stage right now is that I think it's becoming kind of clear that we're starting to come out of panic mode, out of, you know, salvation mode. this is such a bizarre pandemic and and just personal experience that it's very understandable that so many of us did go into that shelter, that, that panic mode place. Um, but now it's time to emerge from that because I think we can start to see what this looks like for the long term. And granted, there is still so much unknown waiting for us ahead, and that's terrifying, and I get it. Um, but really, now is the time to start charting our paths forward and to uh, start accepting that we are here where we are and to allowing ourselves to grieve what we no longer have um you know but but really now i think it's time to start strategizing for the future uh and we know what that future looks like to an extent we know we're going to be uh stuck mostly in our homes for the next few months um potentially longer uh and and we also know that we are on the press 
precipice of a recession that is going to have global consequences. But I think knowing that helps us better prepare for what's ahead. And we can't prepare for what's ahead if we're still in panic mode or if we're still inside our own heads. And I think perhaps the most important thing any entrepreneur could do is to surround themselves with community. You know, the first couple weeks of this, I will admit, I kind of went into my own head and, uh, of course, with my own team, did my best to start working through this. How how do we get through this? What is this? What is our internal strategy? What is our strategy for clients? But I do recognize that my own mental health space improved. Um, when I was able to start connecting more with colleagues and peers and mentors and advisors. And that community has really brought it together for me to allow me to understand that there's a path forward for me, for my business, for my colleagues, for my clients. We can do this. We need to do this together. And, um, you know, I think there's a certain level of vulnerability that was required for me to open up to uh, my mentors advisors and colleagues and peers even talking about this here you know uh, but we need to make ourselves vulnerable and we need to um, you know really make this a community-wide effort because people want to help um, and, and we need to allow them to help I love that yeah there was a, a couple of things I was listening to yesterday and they were reinforcing that point that this is no time to to kind of go back in your shell and, and kind of take a vacation or kind of worry about everything and get too much in your head. This is definitely a time to move forward and keep progressing forward. And a lot of it is that uh, we're all going to be faced with a new future later on. And really it's up to us now to be planting those seeds for the future of how is this future going to look and start doing stuff now to prepare ourselves. And so I think the more we can do now, the better off all of us will be regardless of where your position is, whether you're a business owner, whether you're an employee, whether you're an investor, um, whether you're a new startup, whether you have an idea, um, I think still take steps moving forward because we all know that you know we will emerge from this. We will come out the other side. Um, we do have an idea of probably what the other side is going to look like. Um, and that's just it. What choice do we have but to wake up tomorrow and keep moving forward? That's all you can do. Absolutely. There you go. All right, Ricardo. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us and being back on the show. We really appreciate it. And, you know, everything you're doing for your clients and the agency um, is really just great work. Uh, well, always great to talk with you guys. I preferred last time when, when we could be in the same room together. But uh, in the meantime, just sending my best to you both and your families and as well as your listeners. Just hoping this finds everybody healthy and safe. Uh, it's just so important that we take care of ourselves during this time. Absolutely. We agree. Yes, and if there's any listeners have any questions for us or you guys are struggling on finding avenues to move forward please don't hesitate to reach out to ourselves or ricardo we are all here for our communities and our listeners and everybody involved and we'd be happy to point you in directions give you some words of advice and and help you out that's what we're here for all right you guys well that is the last season episode of this season um so with that i'm lit i'm lucid and that's it laters Using the knowledge they gained in the pharmaceutical industry, Vera Health is transforming the CBD space with products that actually work. With their scientific formulations and a world-class team, Vera Health creates CBD products with superior bioavailability for endocannabinoid system support. Vera Health products include CBD oral micro-mist sprays, CBD topical salves, and CBD soft gel capsules. 
See what everyone is talking about and try for yourself at www.verahealth.com. Vera, because it works.